The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. So I want to thank you for those of you who are joining our podcast. This is number 10. This is our last message on the spiritual gifts. So there are seven applications to the seven areas of life under the 77 identity truths. So we are moving now from spiritual gifts will be the, the message today. And then next week we start a two-part series on the purpose of relationships. And then there's a two-part series coming up, True Indwelt Friendship. And that will close off our social area of life. Let's jump in. Knowing and discovering your spiritual gifts is a fun and exciting journey. Always know that there may be many different types of gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but it is one Spirit that works all these things together. He is the one who distributes them. It is not something you can pray in, practice having, or even study to attain. God gives each of these gifts as he desires. And it works so well that way because he keeps it out of our hands so that we don't control it. Here's the reality. If you take whether we have 20 people that we are addressing or we have 20,000 people that we are addressing, here's the facts. That the majority are going to walk away from this series from church today and they are going to care less. They're not going to care about God's gifts. They're not going to care about God's manifestations because it is too disturbing within their own soul to have to deal with what is being said. And that's what develops a hard heart. And once you start getting a hard heart, when you get a few years into that hard heart, you will be bored stiff by hearing truth. So you will not be set free. From anything. So then you're open target to the enemy. If I could leave any listener with this final message that it is absolutely critical to embrace the manifestations of the Spirit from within, or you have opened your door to demonic harassment, whether you're a young person or you're a very old person. This is how it works. It is this water flow, this living water flow that comes out of you that protects you from the inflow of the enemy. If you're being lied to and you're laying in bed and you're hearing all of these nightmarish kinds of thoughts and you're being harassed, it's because you're denying the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? When fear is coming external to internal, you are denying the manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming through you, pouring out through you, and chasing the darkness away. Light chases darkness away. 
You can stand in a dark room and rebuke the darkness like some of those Christians out there who use Jesus Christ like he's some kind of slot machine. You can stand in a dark room all day long rebuking the darkness. Someone please tell me what the darkness is going to do. No, it's just going to stay there. So how do you get rid of darkness? Turn on the light. The only effort you're required of as an indwelt Christian is to take your hand to reach over and turn the light on. That is your only effort you are required by the living God. You're not required to be the light. You're not required to be the power and energy force behind the light. The light does the rest. So if you are bored by this idea... The day shall come that you will not. Some point in your life. But see, since in America we hear the truth, profound truth so frequently, we're going dim. The light is not having an effect on us like it's supposed to. If the Spirit is released to manifest as the Spirit is commanded by God to do so, darkness cannot remain. Parts are parts. If others have gifts that we believe are not as important, know this. God uses the lesser parts of the human body to support the major parts. Someone give me an example of a lesser part of the human body. The toe. toe. You take off the big toe, what's going to happen? You're going to wobble a bit. Yeah, exactly. Take off a couple fingers and what do you have? A hand without a couple fingers. You lose your grip. You'll have a grip, but you won't have as tight of a grip. You take away the hearing. What do you have? Yes, the eyes can accentuate and become more focused and blah, 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 but you're losing. And this is how Satan knows about the body of Christ. If he can get some of the younger ones, for example, to be bored by truth and resist truth through boredom, what is going to happen is that little mind is going to become... An ineffective part when it comes to unifying the body of Christ. So we need to pray for the children. We need to pray for what it is they're faced. Because when you try to face something with your own effort, you're going to lose. For without the lesser parts, the major parts cannot function at all. You can imagine your body without a a uh, hypothalamus, one of the smallest parts of the body, for without it, your whole body would be unmanaged and short-circuit itself within hours. God places each human body part in its place in order for the whole body to function under the loving command of God. So now we go into the innermost part inside of a human. They used to think that your tonsils didn't have much function. They used to think there were certain parts that they had already labeled didn't matter if you had them or not. 
But then they learned 15, 20 years down the road when they started taking these parts out and they started realizing maybe we should have left that in there. Teeth are the same way. They would, Back in the 40s, they pulled teeth out and put in false teeth in people the drop of a hat and they just thought fake or real what's 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 the difference it's a huge difference with the nerves and the deterioration of the jawbone and the you know but they didn't learn that until years after they were doing it well spiritually speaking this is exactly how we function so there are people that are not prophets and they're not running around proclaiming truth and people are trying to kill them or whatever they're not of that category, but they are of a category where their gifting does matter. Whatever it is. We're going to learn that here today. All of our body parts work for doing what we are being told to do. God's order is for obedience. Obedience is for fulfilling the great commission of the Lord. We are gifted for his divine purpose and not our own. Giving honor to these lesser parts. We need to give special honor, higher honor to those we see as not as gifted as others. 1 Corinthians 12, 22 through 23. For God himself gives more honor to the lesser than the greater. And I'll say that again. For God himself gives more honor to the lesser than the greater. The scriptures do tell us that there are some who are doorkeepers and there are some who are leaders of nations. Everything you do here on this earth is supposed to build eternal weight of glory in heaven. And there are some people that have been so significant here on earth that they're going to be doorkeepers in heaven. They'll be happy, they'll be content. They'll rejoice like everyone else, but they'll be doorkeepers. Then there's others who are nobodies here on earth, who are constantly suffering and struggling with their own stuff or someone else's stuff, but they're faithful of bouncing back every single time. Those people, when they get to heaven, God considers them great and probably will be a leader of a nation. And I know it's a new concept to some people to realize that this new earth that is going to be given to us is actually going to have nations. But it will. That was Abraham's whole role. is become father of the nations. So here we have it. In fact, he says, He gives abundant honor to those who have smaller or behind-the-scenes gifting that lack honor. This is huge once you really are able to put it in your pocket and carry it around with you every single day. It's not lesser for more, or it's not more to be lesser, to humble, be humble in all the great things that you're doing. It is simply to be who you are in and through the gifting that God has put inside you, whatever it is. If it's great and mighty prophet style, if it's low and measly service and cleaning up after other people's mess. It doesn't matter. It's fully functioning in what God has called you to do. 
The body of Christ is gifted in such a way that when you, when one member of the body actually suffers, that whole body should be suffering. I got a text this morning from a gentleman in Uganda that spoke that God gave him a word of knowledge in his mind and he spoke it to me in the text and it was exactly what I was struggling with. You see, God doesn't need us and our fancy technology or whatever to communicate to each other. The Spirit of Christ that lives in me is the same Spirit of Christ that lives in Sienga. You see what I'm saying? If God can tell Sienga, you know, Steve needs prayer, you need to be praying, and here's the generality of what's going on, and then he contacts me going, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know I'm supposed to be praying for you. Who can own that? God can. Performing the works of the indwelling spirit. When we perform all the works of God, such as speaking in tongues of men, angels, casting out demons, healing the sick, leading thousands to the Lord, or even moving mountains with our faith. I want to ask you guys a question. What does the word of God actually say that faith can do? Faith, faith that's so tiny so small about the size of a mustard seed it can move mountains now seriously and I'm asking this to our online listeners too how many of you really truly believe that we can take Mount Everett and move it with our faith if he says that the faith that he gives us that's about the size of a mustard seed can move Mount Everest? He can do it. And it's been done. We blame it on volcanoes. We blame it on, on earthquakes. We blame it on natural scientific uh, mishaps. But I can guarantee you that God is in control of every single shifting and moving of the plates on this earth to a mountain spearing off volcanic lava. Do you understand that? That God is actually in charge of science. I had a friend of mine who came for a retreat. We were, we were managing a retreat in Colorado. He was a seismologist. He rolls out this map on the table in the dining room. He says, I want to show you something. Here are presently our major faults. He said, when this one connects with this one, he's showing me on the map, the map these guys use, that they're all concerned about. He says, when this one connects with this one, the globe's going to crack in half. Every single earthquake, the little ones, the big ones, the moving of mountains, the ones that are collapsing into the water, on and on and on, is a part of individuals who have the faith. When I saw him point with his finger on that part of the map and this part of the map and how short the distance was because of all the small faults in between the big ones, I knew that God was literal when he said he's going to open up the earth. 
I knew it as literal. And my faith that was given to me by God believes God will collapse mountains because of that kind of faith. This seismologist was literally believing as a Christian by faith. All the rain, all the storms, all the plagues, everything that is going to happen to the day of God's judgment is all ordained by somebody's faith. Yes, I do believe it. Literally. He is the God of the living and the dead. Of the earth and the planets and the solar system and whatever is outside that black box. Someone tell me this in regard to the pure manifestations of believing by faith from the beginning to the end, the Alpha and Omega. What did God say he was going to do with the sky in the end? But every single star is going to be turned out. The sun's going to be turned out. Is that just in our solar system? Or is it everywhere? How can God take this planet, open it up, dump all the disbelievers in, into this molten core, drop Satan in there? He actually designs the unsaved in such a way that their souls will never burn up, but they'll burn for eternity. Then he takes this earth, and the scriptures say he tosses it into outer darkness. The reason he turns off every solar system, every single star, will be turned off because it is outer darkness. The only light that will be shown in this black box is the burning pit of hell. And we go through life thinking, oh, Christianity's boring. Oh, I'm tired of hearing the truth. Oh, I'm just whatever. We have no clue what our disbelief is saying. You, as a listener, you could be part of the burning coals that keeps this light burning in this outer darkness forever. And if that is not heavy, serious realization that everything a part of God's agenda is real, it's for a purpose. And we get caught up in a toenail problem. We get caught up in mental issues of Oh, what's going to happen if I don't get... Really? There's an eternal weight of glory being presented to us either on heaven's side or on hell's side. So allowing the Holy Spirit to be released through us, through every body member part of the body of Christ, I think is kind of significant. So the only way these gifts profit us is if we are filled up with love and are giving unto God and to man for his common good. Don't be unbecoming. When, we, when functioning in our gifting, we are to be patient with people, kind with people, tender-hearted and full of compassion. 
Remembering many of the people that are on the other end of our gifting are oftentimes threatened by what the Lord is revealing in their lives. People don't like hearing the truth. Whether they're this age or whether they are of the eldest of elder age. It's not in us to hear the truth, particularly from a truth-sayer. We'd rather discover these truths all by ourselves, and not have to face the fact that Christ in someone, the indwelling life of Christ, is actually speaking through that person, and I'm pinned to the wall or pinned to the cross. It's horrible. It's threatening. So this is why we need to function in the fullness of his love. Don't ever brag, boast about your gifts as if you have something better than the other body members do because that really is not a good idea. Been there, done that too many times. People who understand the purpose of their gifting do not seek their own with these gifts. Seeking their own would be using their gifting to benefit themselves or some would say to benefit their ministry or whatever the case may be. Evidence that you are functioning in your gifting correctly is that you are not easily provoked and you are not taking an account of the wrong that's being done to you. Body members who are dysfunctional in their gifting rejoice in unrighteousness instead of rejoicing in truth. Those who rejoice in the truth bear all things. People are giving to them, believing all things. Others are telling them and hope for the best in others at all times and endure all things that God's sovereignty gives to them. That's out of verses 5 through 7. The key here is love, of course, it never fails. No matter what my opinion is of you, me, or the gospel, it doesn't change God. It doesn't change his mission. And God wants to do what it is that he wants done in each individual's life, and he will use the devil, believe it or not. No evil comes from God. No evil decisions come from God. God will use the evil one to break the man, to break the woman, to break the boy, so that they are no longer falsely accusing God by rejecting the people around them. That's the key. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto God. People who live this life of constantly being abused by God-haters, they know what I'm talking about. When you are under that abuse, this is your big ministry moment. I mean, don't you, haven't you guys ever wondered what you would do if you were under intense persecution? What you would do if they did like watchmen, watchmen knee and took a nail at a time? And then a finger? And then a hand? And then they went to his other hand? Fingernail at a time, then a finger at a time, and then his hands? They did that to every one of his toes? He was known at the moment of his death as being a stump. And he would not violate this. You see, because the evidence of Christ in you 
comes through the evidence that they're demanding from you. Superior gift. The scriptures do speak to us about a gift that stands out above them all. God has his reasons for this. Keep in mind that people who have this gift do not get any special blessing because of it. Prophets are given the same command to pure love as anyone else, actually. And remembering without love, nothing really is possible. Therefore, we can conclude that the purpose of the gifts is to introduce the unsaved or body members to the love of God. If we are to desire these gifts, we should desire above all to have prophecy. Someone please tell me from previous teachings what prophecy is. A prophet is someone who takes past prophecies, has a keen understanding of those past prophecies for today. They can't look into the future. And I know I just probably aroused some of the church leadership in certain parts of the world because they actually believe prophets can read the future. I do not. I believe that prophets have a keen sense of past prophecies in today. So therefore, in human life, someone could tell you about their past life and you'll have a keen sense of revealing the truth in their lives today. And it'll either provoke them to immediate hatred or lead them to the living, loving hand of God. And you won't know that until you're put in the situation. Many body members put the emphasis on manifestations of speaking in tongues, but God says that the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. That's out of verse 5. The goal is to edify the church and not the individual. Prophecy is focused on the edification of body members within the church, as well as the church as a whole. Tongues are assigned not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. And prophecy is a sign not to the unbelievers, but to the believers. This passage, 1 Corinthians 14.22, reveals to us that signs are for weak people. And oftentimes people demand God to give them a sign. Are you really there? Then do this for me. Not realizing we're ordering God around like he's a junior high kid. It's like some little junior high kid saying to his parents, if you love me, you'll do this. Under a parental situation, that kid should be disciplined. Why would it be different with demanding of God to prove himself to us? Well, God's a loving God, and oftentimes that's exactly what he does. He gives signs for the weak person to see with her eyes, with her ears, that God is actually alive. That's called grace. Prophecy, on the other hand, is for the believer, body members who are familiar with the ways and the wonders of the Lord. Verse 22, when a visitor hears or sees that the secrets of the heart are being exposed in the lives of the believers, the visitors have the tendency to be more apt to fall on their face, worship God, not the man, 
declare that God is certainly among the members of the church. True church, the body of Jesus Christ. Prophecy is delivered in gathering. It is to be done one by one so that everyone who attends may hear what God is revealing to each person. When prophecies are given in a shotgun fashion, the body does not have time to process what God is actually saying. That's out, of course, 1 Corinthians 14, 30 through 31. So the attitude should be that God is speaking here and I need to listen even if it is not directed at me. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace and order. And if you are in a gathering and it sounds confusing, noisy, out of order, then God is probably not the one doing the manifestation. You see, if you've been a part of a service where it is noisy, it's confusing, it's out of order, and you hear languages coming from every direction, and I've been in, I can't tell you how many church services I've been in before I preached, after I preached, or just attending that fellowship where this kind of stuff was going on. God's a God of order. There were some words of prophecy thrown out today that is supposed to change a couple people's lives. I can promise you that. But will they listen? Probably not. How will they listen? Because God will use their disbelief. He'll use the infiltration of the enemy's lies and techniques to actually snap the leg on that lamb so that little lamb will have to be mended by the Lord and that little lamb put around the neck of the great shepherd. Your rebellion of not listening to truth through the truth sayers will require a brokenness in you that is beyond anything you could comprehend. That's all of us. That's from our most famous Christian to our most unfamous Christian. There is no difference. In order to hear the voice of God, whether it's through a prophet or whether it's through a servant, it's through brokenness. In conclusion of our manifestation gifts, we simply have to know this. There are many, many, many pathways that are in front of you. Many. There's only one pathway that's in front of you that will set you free. Know this. Whatever pathway you run down as a runner, if you're chosen by God, will lead back to that pathway someday. You can stay on that pathway and grow in Christ Jesus, or you can run out there for 40 years but you're going to end up back exactly where God wanted you to be, no matter what your sour attitude is today about truth. Our tiny little babies, our children, Lester, that, that little guy, Stanley, you know, when I saw his picture this morning, I'm like, that little guy is a candidate right now for the enemy to lead him down a different pathway. That little guy is a candidate to be kidnapped by a rebel. That little guy has no clue what's coming his way. 
And what do we do? We look at the picture and say it's cute. Thank you for sending me the picture. That is not how I see it. I see a human life as vulnerable as this object of Satan to go before God 24 hours a day and say, I'm going to accuse you, God, by taking this life and say, you see what kind of life Ian is tampering with in his mind right now? And he takes that stuff and he brings it before the living God and he accuses God as an accuser of the brethren. I stand against that stuff in Jesus' name. God wants Stanley to grow up a godly young man to follow in his daddy's footsteps. To care for widows, to care for orphans, and to proclaim the indwelling life of Jesus Christ to an entire world. That boy is not only my grandson, that boy is a candidate for me to reach in as a forefather to train him up in the ways of the Lord. Because the enemy is after our children. Don't, don't blow through this stuff, guys, and just think, well, that was an interesting series, or boy, Finney's real passionate. I heard that one this week. Finney's real passionate about these spiritual gifts thing. No, I'm not. I'm passionate about the indwelling life of Christ. Either you have him or you don't. And if you're confused, you're probably without him. Because God is not the author of confusion. And the proof of you actually being saved and having the indwelling life of Christ is you're hungry, you're not bored. Are you with me? The proof of you being human is you're hungry. You want to sit down at a table and have a steak dinner. You're human. If you are a spiritual child of the living God, you are thirsty for more and more truth instead of this, I'm going to kill you if you open your mouth again. Some people are just not bold enough to put their hands around someone else's throat. Then there are others that are. It's the same sin to me. Whether a young person does it through, through nasty this or that, or an old person who does it through ignorance of ignoring people. When I hear stories of someone who's been passed on to the next life, well, who are they? Do they have Christ? Is she, she going to be in hell the rest of eternity? Who cares? It's just an old woman. I'm telling you that parents who are listening to this message, watch your children in the hardness of their hearts because they can grow up saying, Who cares? But I can guarantee you this, they will spend eternity wishing they never had that attitude as a child. That's what we're faced with here. So for God to be God in his manifestations, I'm like, rejection or not, God, you can be anything you want through us. And God, may you give us a heart a compassion of dead souls, people who are as dead as a doorknob,
that you want to reach out and touch them and give them the indwelling life of your son. And I weep. I can't tell you how many times I've wept this week dealing with people online. I just weep when I hear the calloused hearts of children, young adults, or a theologian who's trying to slam me down because they don't understand the indwelling life of Christ. I'm angry on one part, and on the other part, I have this compassion of, oh God, only you can show them what the indwelling life of Christ is about. Mary used to have a sign on your desk. I don't know if you still have it there. And your sign said, if I remember correctly, that your lack of planning, what's the rest of it? Man's stupidity and boredom of the truth creates a crisis, an emergency in their life, does it not? All of a sudden, when their lives are, are crumbling and, and coming close to dust, all of a sudden, everything's an emergency for that person. And we expect God to jump to that emergency and put it top of his list. But I'm here to tell you, he will not. And you want to know why people go to hell? Do you want to know why the majority, probably 90% of every person ever born, is going to go to hell? Do you know why the pathway to Christ is narrow and fewer on it? Is because of an attitude of boredom to truth. An attitude of, oh, that is... My preacher preaching that, not Christ in them. It's an attitude of, look, I'm in a crisis right now. You better come down here and bow to me and fix this problem. And God's saying, who created this problem? How many years have you been working on this problem? Well, the devil made me do it. How many years has the devil been working on it? How many years have you been under oppression? And you want instant change? No, he will cause all things to work together for the good to those who actually love God. Now, I know I offended people today. And there's a part of me that just thrives on my emails and text messages that I get. My text number is 602-292-2982. That text message number is 602 292 2982. Text me. Text me your positive comments. Text me what it is God's been saying to you. Text me the struggles that you're having. Just know there's a voice over here in a little town in USA that loves hearing from people worldwide. Email me at Dr. Finney. Finney is P-H-I-N-N-E-Y. But email me at Dr. Finney at I-O-M, M as in man, I-O-M-America.org. I would really like to hear about what God said to you as you heard this message today. Those of you who want more, because I know that there's a certain percentage who listen to truth that want more, I want you to go to www.iomamerica.org, but go to the online school and scroll through some of the classes that could give you more. So here's our identity statement for today. 
We need to grow up in Christ and not act like childish children. When we were children, we thought like a child, spoke like a child, and responded like a child. Now that we are men and women of God, we need to put away the reactions of a child. We need to have the mind of Christ, allowing Christ to think through us. We need the reason with the logic of heaven. Not what makes sense in the desires in the mind of man, for we will not live and breathe in the miraculous if we function through the walls of man's logic. I'm going to say that again. For we will not live and breathe in the miraculous if we function through the walls of man's logic, man's mind. Finally, we need to speak with the voice of God through the indwelling Holy Spirit. God can and will speak through what it is that we teach, but if we set our teachings upon the flesh or the self-life, we're going to have to be moved and motivated and inspired by God to put off the self, push it aside, and let his mind, let his gifts, let who he is come through our function. Absolutely critical. If you've been impacted by today's message, we ask that you would click on the Donate button located on our website. We are here thanks to those who have responded to the Holy Spirit and have contributed. Without donors like you, we wouldn't be able to continue to offer our resources to disciples and pastors around the world at no charge. On behalf of IOM America, I thank you for your support. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.